we've got to stay dental savvy, but we don't want to be in the dental box, right? We don't want to be focused on just dental. The future of dentistry belongs to the innovators. Welcome to Innovation in Dentistry. I'm your host, Sean Zayas, and I believe that the future of dentistry is going to be unbelievably great over the next decade and two decades. But the question isn't that. The question is, are you going to be part of what makes dentistry great? Hey guys, so I am, I just feel really honored today to be able to interview Laura Nelson. Uh, so before I tee her up and uh, really introduce her, Laura, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, I'm so excited. I, uh, I was all over this when you asked me, so I'm so excited to be here. So Laura, I remember um, not meeting you, but hearing about you from some event um, I think you told me some Jamie Amos, something that was going on four or five years ago. It was going to be like the first ever Facebook broadcasted dental conference. And I remember you and Elijah Desmond uh, competing to see who could get more, you know, viewers coming from your unique links. And I just remember seeing you and being like, wow, she is such a presence, not only the way you communicated, but the following that you had. And when I started doing a little bit of digging, I found out about what you had done with front office rocks. And I was simply blown away. Um, what, what has your journey been in dentistry? Well, how long do we have? I feel like, uh, <laughs> it's like, it's like every day it's like, wow, has it been that long? Um, okay. Short version. I married a guy who went to dental school. And so that's how I got into dentistry. I was the dental spouse which back in the day, that was not necessarily a, a positive thing. That's the dental spouses were always known in the day of coming in and causing trouble and leaving, but that's not the case. I was a business partner with him. Um, we started two practices, one on the East Coast and one on the West Coast. Um, I'm in San Diego, California now. In um, his four years of dental school, he learned nothing about dentist, or he learned everything about dentistry and nothing about business, nothing about, as we all know, right? Running a business, hiring, firing, all that. My background is in human resources and I have a master's in organizational development. So I was in the business realm and um, I, he wanted to start a practice and we had two little kids and I'm like, you don't know how to run a business. So I'm going to do this with you and got sucked into dentistry um, mostly because we needed it. And I knew nothing about dentistry at the time. I There was, you know, there was no internet. This is pre-internet. There was no, you know, there was magazines and and you could go to conferences, but there was no real training for dental. So I taught myself everything I know about dental. I just brought the business side of things to our practice and we grew two successful practices. And after a couple of years of doing that, I started getting requests for consulting and come help my practice. And how do you do what you do? And I knew I didn't want to be a consultant, but I knew there was something missing in our industry, which is training. I believe um, we go to conferences, we read the books, we do the things but we don't know how to teach our team to do it because the team doesn't get invested in with the training. And so I wanted to help the team members, but not go in office. And so instead of a DVD, which was what was big at the time, I got lucky and started a subscription website 10 years ago before subscription was a thing uh, and put all my content online. And that's really kind of how Front Office Rock started. Um, I think about it now, I'm actually reading a really good book. If you haven't read it, Expert Secrets by Richard Brunson. 
Is that his name? No, Russell Brunson. Um, and he talks about like, well, what was your epiphany story? What's the thing that you did or, or how it changed for you? And for me, it was, it's not that I knew all the answers. It's just that I opened the doors to my practice and said, here's what I do in my practice. All my videos were just, here's how I do it. It was like best practices. It was just, and so people really like that. I think there wasn't enough people opening the door saying, how do you do what you do? you know, show me the way. And so it, that's how I got into dentistry and then how I started front office rocks 10 years ago now, which is crazy. Okay. So I am really fascinated by a few things you said. Now, okay. if you can remember, you know, a, I, I thought you had a clinical background of some sort mm -hmm. for some reason. Yeah. So the fact that you're the uh, dentist spouse, uh, <laughs> I think that's a great way to get into uh, the industry. Now tell me, do you remember, cause you said you had no idea what running a dental practice was like in that first year, what was, what was probably the more startling or shocking of like, oh my gosh, this is what running a practice is like. Yeah. I actually, I just launched a, a, a course called new to dental specifically for people who've never worked in a dental office before to watch before we start training them. Because I put myself back in that my, myself back in the first day in that first week in a dental office. The first thing I remember is I don't actually like the dentist. So that's how I mean. Wait, I wait, don't, your husband? Like you didn't yeah. like your? <laughs> actually, it's funny story. Now it's my ex husband. So there you go. That much. <laughs> um, no, I mean I we're no longer married, but I still I'm married to dentistry, which is what I say. I'm a recovering dental spouse, um, but. I didn't, I didn't like dentistry. Um, I didn't like getting dentistry. And so that first day of like the smells and the noise and the, the drills and all of that, I was like, oh my gosh, what did I do? Right. Um, then people are coming into my business. And the first thing they say to you is I don't like being here. Like I've never worked in an industry where like people are coming in to spend money and they're telling you how much they don't like you, which was, I'm like, what did I do? Right. Um, and then the, we speak another language. Like I know people listening to this are like, no, we don't, but yeah, we do profi and MODB and number two and L and da, da, da. We speak a completely different language. So for the brand new person, you know, you're already insecure when you start a new job because you don't know where to put your purse, where, how to clock in, who, who, who's who, then you have customers coming in saying, you don't like you don't, don't like to be there it just smells and feels weird, right? You don't know why people are wearing all the stuff that they're wearing in the back. And then you don't understand half the language. Like no wonder there's turnover in our industry, you know? And, and most of the time in the dental office, the first week we hire somebody, we don't give great training. And so I remember those feelings and I put that into, you know, my course that I have that helps people just kind of learn the basics of dental. And then just overall, like what it was like to be brand new and, wanting to do well, but not really knowing how to do it in our industry. I think that's great that you just brought up that like dilemma, not a dilemma, but just it's so odd. There's willful patrons uh -huh. that choose to come, but they almost act like they're, they're getting coerced, right? Because uh -huh. it's like, well, I don't really want to be here. And it's like, what other industry over and over again experiences people that are sh choosing to show up but like uh -huh. really bitter about it. Uh-huh. And half the time when we're having one of those days, I, I joke about this with team members, like they say, we don't want to be here. And half the time we feel like saying, we don't want you here anyway. <laughs> like we don't, <laughs> we don't like you either, but we have to smile and we have to give them the best we can, you know? 
So it's just this like dance that we have to do. Like we understand. And honestly, that's one of the biggest ahas I think team members need to have is we have to realize our customers aren't happy about being there. They're never going to be excited about they're, they're not, I mean, very few, you know, people who get a cool, cool new toothbrush, right? Like they get to come in and do something like that. But most people are not excited about coming to the dentist. And so don't look for that because it's probably not going to happen, right? But we have to realize how important we are in helping that, you know, just because we still, we do drills and needles and we hurt, you know, we don't hurt them, but we do dentistry that they don't like. We can at least affect the the experience they have. We can at least give the best customer service possible for something that they're not excited about getting. So that's really where we play a huge part in it. Yeah, no, I can, I can see that. So I'm curious, you end up meeting this man that you end up marrying that's a dentist. Now, did you already know him when you were getting your master's uh, in organizational development? That's funny, actually. No, we met in undergrad. So we went to Eastern Michigan University and I met him when he was, you know, pre anything. And I said, what do you want to be when you get older? He said, a dentist or a mechanic. And like I said, I didn't have the best dental care growing up. So I wasn't a huge fan of the dentist. So I was hoping for mechanic. We were in Detroit, Michigan, and that's, you know, everybody's in the car industry then. Uh, But he decided to become a dentist. So that's sort of how we started on the path to dentistry. I, um, he went to dental school. I wanted to start a family. He said, not while I'm in dental school. And I was like, well, then I might as well go get my master's degree because I got all this free time. So I got my master's degree at the same time he was getting his dental degree. We graduated within a week of each other. And then the next month we got pregnant with our first kid. So, you know, (laughs) the timing. And then two years after that, two kids later, we decided to open a dental practice. Hence the reason that we really needed to make it work because we were, you know, young and dumb trying to like, you know, start this scratch practice in, in Baltimore, Maryland. So in the back of your mind, when you were taking classes, did you ever think there's a good chance I'm going to apply this to dentistry? Never, never. (laughs) No, if, if anything, when I was doing it, I was thinking I'm going to have to support us just because I supported us through dental school. Like I had a full-time job. I was a technical recruiter during dental school. So I figured my career would be the one to help launch us. I never thought I would, you know, stop taking pay and go work in the dental office. It was never my plan or intention, which... I'm thankful now because I love what we do. I love being in the dental industry, but at the time that was, that was never my plan. So Laura, I love innovation. And as I normally talk about here, um, I'm not as much focused on like innovation in a clinical sense uh, or even innovation in a technological sense. Although technically um, like I care more about the mindset and belief sets that get someone to actually step out and innovate. So the, the fruit of that mindset or that belief set could be a clinical innovation or a technological innovation, but I'm so curious, like, what is it about you, um, as you're there in your first year that you're like, why don't I just step up and and lead? Why don't I just create coursework? Why don't I just start sharing, uh, what I'm learning to help other people out? But not just that you're also thinking in a business sense, monetizing it, you know, in an innovative sense doing a subscription website, like these things, uh, don't just come to people. Like, I'm just curious, like, where did you even get this insight and in the the courage to follow that? Um, well, that's, that's like six answers there. I, um, I feel I actually tease my kids. They're 23 and 22. And my daughter for a little while was going to college for entrepreneurism. 
And I was like, how do you go to college for entrepreneurism? Like, it, I'm sure there's a, there's a path and all that, but I feel like in order for your business to be successful or to be an entrepreneur, you've got to be solving a problem. You've got to be doing something different. You've got to be filling a need. Like I can't just go open a donut shop on the corner with six other donut shops unless I'm filling a need or, or I'm, I'm doing something differently. And so I think my drive in doing this was to fill a need that was missing because I kept getting asked for help. And there's plenty of consultants out there. There's plenty of articles. There's, there's plenty of podcasts. We were just talking about that. There's, there's all of these, you know, resources. Now, back then there wasn't the internet, but there's still a need. And what is the need that's missing? And then for me, um, I was looking to, who was I speaking to? Who was I serving, right? Who is my, who's my ideal customer? And it's not the dentist. It's not the office manager. It's not the you know, the, all the great companies that support dentistry, it's that brand new receptionist. It's that scheduler. It's the person who took this job like I did and then went, oh my gosh, what did I do? Right. Um, it's that person. And so I think if we understand what our, what our niche is or what we're trying to, to solve, like what's the, and then who are we doing this for? Right. I love it when I go to conferences and like somebody comes up to me and says, you tell me everything I know about dental. Like I've never met them before, but they've learned everything from me. That's really what I was trying to do. So the draw for me was, you know, that person who's really trying to do the best they can for the dentist, but the dentist is not great at communicating, not great at onboarding, not great at training. How can I get that person to do better for the dentist so that ultimately we can do better for our patients? And then personally for me, I'm very competitive. Even if it's with myself, I'm very competitive. So you either tell me, I challenge you to do something or I bet you can't. That's my two things. Like you're, if you're like, I, you know, I bet you can do that. I'm sure, let me do it. Or I bet you can't, right? And I got told early on when I started talking about subscription-based websites, that's not gonna work. That's, you're, it's not gonna work. You're, you need to do DVDs and be a consultant. You're not gonna, and I, that's all the energy I needed. I was like, really? okay, let's do this. Right. And I don't know who it was. And I think that person, if I could ever think about it, who told me that, but honestly, it was the drive to say, I'm going to prove them wrong. Cause I do feel like there's a need for our industry for training. If we're really going to help our new employees and our, our up and coming employees love what they do and be good at it. So that's kind of the evolution of how I and then I got lucky. I got enough people around me that were, you know, knew enough about the internet, knew enough about how to set up websites and knew enough about training and video and all of it. And I just, you get the right people around you, you know, where you're going to want to go with it. You know, you can make it happen. So what is this timetable? Like, I'm super curious from, from idea to, I mean, cause from my perspective, I just hear front, by the time I heard about it, it was already a raving success. Right. So what was that time frame to get it from, wow, I think this could be something viable to all of a sudden what it became where it literally just took over. Like, I feel like you're an OG in dental when it comes to marketing, uh, digital marketing, uh, using social media and, and, and not again, not marketing as if as a marketing company, but I mean, right. using marketing to actually get your ideas for front office rocks to really spread. That's so funny that you say that because front office rocks is only about 75% of the way of where I want it to be. Like I'm working on some stuff right now that it's not even, it's not even where it's supposed to be yet. It's on its way. So um, time frame, I guess, let's see, I got into dentistry 20, 
two years ago. I started front office rocks 12 years ago ish my head in my brain. Um, front office rocks started as little, nobody knows this really. It's not really out there, but it was called lunch with Laura. That's what it was. And it was, um, a Patterson rep who was like, you need to film some of this stuff that you do. And I'll show it when I go in and do CE or lunch and learns. And so we filmed some videos, funny story. We filled it on a film, the first one with a GoPro and you know, with a GoPro, it's like, it's like, so I'm like in a bubble, you know, like it's all weird. The, the perspective uh, is, yeah, is like, massively yeah. off. Yeah. Like I should be running a marathon or something. Right. Um, but so, uh, and it just, it's just evolved. It's with any entrepreneur, with anybody, anybody who's doing any sort of innovation, as you know, there's ups and downs. I mean, you you could have the best day and the worst day on the exact same day. Like the things, so just like you said it, you know, successful front office arcs, it's not even where I want it to be yet. It's, it's on the path, um, but it's an evolution for sure. Um, so keep stay in touch or keep keep connected because I'm about to launch some stuff that I honestly didn't even think was possible. It probably wasn't possible five or six years ago. Technology is growing so quickly and so fast. So I don't know if I answered your question, but that kind of is I'm pretty I'm pretty sure you did. And I yeah. do want we will circle back because I want our listeners to hear what it is that you're doing. What do you want to bring attention to? Um but we're not we're not there yet. So I want to know did you always identify yourself as an entrepreneur? Never. No. And I still don't, which is weird. Right? Really? No, come on. I mean, at some point you had to realize this is no. just the way I am. No, it's funny. Um, I don't feel that way as a person. Like I do not consider myself an entrepreneur. However, I mean, if you think about it, I have started two dental offices. I did start front office rocks. I do have another business in another industry. So I guess I am, but um, I don't think of myself that way. It seems risky to say it. I don't know, like entrepreneur, but um, I do like having, I do like filling a need. I do like having full control. Um, I do like the challenge of somebody saying you can or can't do something. And then I say, watch me. So I guess that's, I don't know what the, what the true definition of an entrepreneur is, but I, I must have enough of it that, um, so yeah, I guess in a way <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to commit. Right. I mean, you have not just entrepreneurial, um, wiring and, and giftings, but also like visionary type, like to be able to see what you saw before people were using, um, like you said, websites or social media and to be able to be that pioneer. I mean, that's, that's not just remarkable on being able to, to see it, but then also having, I got to think of the word, <laughs> I was going to say cojones, but like, right, right, whatever. like yeah. that actual ability to be like, no, I'm going to do it. So, so in this journey though, Laura, I want to know about what happened when you didn't see the left hook coming, you got knocked down, you didn't give up cause you're here, Yeah. but like you know, I've almost been phrasing it almost like the dark night of the soul professionally. Like what, what was that time for you and what happened and how did you get through it? Um, there's probably three or four that I could think of that, um, the left hook came out of nowhere kind of a thing. Um, I would say for me, it is, I'm a very trusting person. Um, I am a very fast, I'm a quick start in one of the 
personality tests out there, whatever it means. I make, you know, I show up to the airport, then I look at my boarding pass to see where I'm supposed to go to the gate instead of the person who looks, you know. Um, and so because of that, uh, there's been a person or two in the career, in the path that has, um, it's gone sideways with that relationship. And, um, you know, that hurts because you're like, wow, I thought we were partners and we could trust. And any person who's been in any sort of relationship can feel that. Um, so, or has had that happen, I'm sure. Um, the second thing would be the technology. Uh, I built, uh, you know, some of the stuff you have to trust, right? You have to trust you have the right website company. You have to trust you have the right engineer or the right marketing company or the right whoever on your team. And you have to trust you, you're not gonna, you shouldn't be doing it yourself. You should only be doing stuff that only you can do. But our website, for example, I mean, I described it before anybody who's been a front office rocks user along the way would know we've had some ups and downs with the website because I had to custom build it 10 years ago. There was no plug and play learning management platform then, you know, so we custom build it. Well, anytime you custom build anything, every time there's a, you know, a, a small issue with it, we've got an issue. So I call it a three-legged stool and I've just been waiting for the one leg to get kicked out. Like if that one leg gets kicked out, that's our entire business. We're all online. It's gotten much better now and the technology's gotten better. But those are the kind of things where, you know, you, you know, you, you know that this it's broken. You take it to someone, you say, I want to fix it. And they're like, yeah, that'll be, you know, 50,000, $100,000. And you're like, oh my gosh. Right. So there's those kind of things that have just, um, and then I think bringing people on that don't have the same vision. It's very hard as an entrepreneur. Here I am right? I'm not an entrepreneur, but here I am saying that <laughs> it's your baby, right? But as you grow, just like a dentist, as you grow, you need to bring on team members to help you take care of your baby, but they're not going to do it exactly the way you do. They're not going to have the same vision and the same drive you do. And it's hard sometimes because you're like, why aren't you doing it the way I want? Or why aren't you pushing as hard as I want you to? Or, and, and so then you have to step back and say, well, it's, it's, not their baby, but they're part of the team. And how can I motivate them and excite them or give them the direction they need because they're not taking it the same way you would take. And sometimes you have to learn as an entrepreneur how to step away and just say, let them do it. Because if you don't, you're going to be doing it forever, you know, by yourself. And you've got to let other people step in, though it may not be perfect, at least it's getting done um, so that you don't have to do it all. So there's that balance, I think, too. Well, that's incredibly insightful. And I think it's interesting that most of these areas have to do with like the messy side of life, which, which is people like it's, right. it's amazing working with great people, uh, great vendors, um, you know, great contractors, but that's also where things can go downhill. I know we've been, we try to build, we've had to try to build a custom app or a portal and it's been like three, four years and we probably dumped like $120,000 into it. And mm -hmm. those custom builds can be so frustrating because you're right. It's like, well, who do I, who do I trust? Right. And you know, your area of expertise, but you're having to trust someone representing their area of expertise that you need. Right. And that's where it, it is absolutely. Um, yeah. It can, it can just be tricky. And with partnerships, I think that's like the hardest Laura, because you feel like you're, yep. you you trust that person that person has your back and then all of a sudden there's some something that changes and there's some sense of betrayal and it's like i think those are the the wounds that i don't know that probably hurt the most yeah um you know but that's where this is what i'm fascinated by your mindset is that you 
you just have kept going and you you kind of almost went out without the map. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, well, 100%. I, I, right. I'm, yeah. I'm going to go out. And it wasn't like you'd already had that experience. This wasn't your fourth business. It's like, no, you just stepped up and did it. And I think a lot of dentists I know based off their personality profiles, they're, they're nervous or timid or cautious because there isn't a guarantee that right. what they do is going to work. Um, there's a chance that the risk is a lot higher than than they're wanting to take. So I'm just saying when it came, when it came to you stepping out, there was a ton of risk involved. When it came to you possibly failing, right? there was no certainty that it was going to take off, that the marketplace was going to like it and that it was going to succeed. Were you aware of those things? Like, hey, Laura, you might just fail and embarrass yourself. <laughs> or in, in those ways, were you just already really mature in that, in that kind of mindset that that didn't, that didn't even like bother you? That's, that's two good points there. So um, one or two thoughts on that. One is that the, I guess the reason I don't like the, the word entrepreneur, I don't like that is because there's this pressure to do something amazing. There's this pressure, like you've started a business, go do it again, right? Like go figure out the problem. And I like just to be an entrepreneur, it's like, ah, that, that there's a, there's a pressure there. So for me, when I started, nobody knew who I was. And I mean, worst case, I would have some videos where I could train my employees. And if nobody else bought it, at least I would have those videos done. Right. So I kind of went in going, well, there's no harm, no foul. Like, let's just try this and see what happens. And yeah, I invest some money and it could fail. And, and there were times where I was like, this is going nowhere. Um, but I wasn't now the pressure is if you came to me and said, okay, you have to do something. You have to do something big. Now everyone's watching. What are you going to do next? That's the part that makes me nervous where I'm like, I don't know. So for a dentist, it's like, you might have a great idea and you've got, you're a successful dentist and you have a successful dental office. And now you're going to go to this other thing and everyone's watching. It might feel like, oh my gosh, what if, right? What if it's not successful? So there's, there's, a, there's a, a security and anonymity, I guess I would say, like, I didn't know. And, and honestly, since I've started front office rocks and, and people are kind of like, what's next? And I'm like, I don't know. I, I, I is there an X? <laughs> I don't know. Right. Um, so there's the pressure. The other thing too, is, um, I'm no longer married to the dentist, but I'm remarried. And when you get remarried, you rehash all of your life, you catch up. Right. So my husband and I've been married now for three years and we've caught up all of our childhood and all of our past relationships and all of our life. And you answer a lot of questions that you didn't have, you haven't had to answer for 20 some years because people just know you. And one of the questions he asked me when we first started dating is he said, you don't seem to get nervous when you make decisions. How do you do that? Like you just make decisions fast. And I had to put some real thought to it. Cause I was like, I don't know how I do it. I don't, I've just always been this way. Right. So he made me think through it and I, and I came up with an answer, which now I share a lot in the sense of it's 75-25 for me, 75-25, which what I mean by that is 75% of the time I feel my decisions are right or went in the right direction. If I have to pick A or B, 75% of the time, I think I have a good judgment skills. I assess the situation, you know, we should turn left, not right. You know, we should wait for this reservation at the restaurant, not wait, you know, like I've had enough wisdom to pick 75% of the time, it's probably going to be positive. 25% of the time, it's probably not going to be positive. It's going to backfire. It's going to go wrong. It might go really bad. Like it's not a good decision. But I, the two things about that is I can't make myself wrong when it goes bad. Because if you beat yourself up over it, you'll never take risks. 
and you have to learn from it. Like you have to, if you make a bad decision, you have to say, okay, that was a bad decision. Like I, I shouldn't have decided that, or we shouldn't have gone that way, but what can I learn from this for next time? And then that's how you get more secure in the 75% because every mistake that you make or every decision that doesn't go right, you can put it on the list of, well, I learned from it, right? And so that's where I think, you know, if you can start to trust your gut, we all have gut instincts, you know what's right or wrong, go with your gut, but then don't beat yourself up. If it doesn't go the way it's supposed to, just learn from it. So next time, maybe you won't make that same decision. So life lessons. So Laura, that's, <laughs> that's a very advanced mindset. Um, I think it's fascinating that you kind of didn't realize um, maybe some of the subconscious behind the fact that you just operate in that. Do you think, uh -huh. was that like a gift that your parents, either they modeled that for you or I don't know, something in your childhood where it's just like, you, I don't know, you just kind of built and built and didn't have a reason to be like, oh my gosh, I just made a terrible decision. Now that 25% is now 40 and I'm scared to do anything. Like <laughs> Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I had to definitely, I was an only child. I moved around my whole life. My dad was army. So, um, you know, I was raised very like, you just do the right thing and make it happen. And if you make a mistake, my dad would tell me it used to kill me. Whoever remembers hearing this from your parents, like, don't apologize. Just don't do it again. Like my dad would tell me over and if I would do something, just don't apologize. Cause you know, it's nice if you apologize, right. If you've done that, but just don't do it again. Or the worst was when your dad says, you know, I'm not mad. You just disappointed me. You have to earn my trust back. It's like, oh gosh, that's killer. Right. So it's those things, philosophies, I guess, in life that, that just got me to realize like, okay, don't apologize. Like you made the decision, just fix it and then don't do it again. You know, and so I guess maybe that was, I should thank my father for that or the army. I'm not sure. <laughs> so in this 20 year journey, I guess it's more than, wait, didn't you say you got back into, or you got into dentistry 22 years ago? Yeah, no? 22 years ago. Cause my daughter's 23 and she was a baby. Yeah. So what was a mindset you had to shed in order to keep on growing, in order to keep on evolving, in order to get to where you're at today? Um, I speak about this still in the front of the room every single time I speak or any, any interviews that I do, I could have easily, I call it, um, call it, uh, focus too much on dental. So dental savvy versus dental smarts, like knowing too much about dental and understanding dental. If you are too much in the dental box, if you go down that dental, like I could have learned everything about insurance. I could have known everything about every code and every... Granted, I don't know if I'd be good at that, but I never went the clinical route. I stayed the business side. I know enough dental, of course. I know the insurance and the codes and all that. But you've got it. We've got to say we've got to stay dental savvy, but we don't want to be in the dental box, right? We don't want to be focused on just dental because if we're driven by dental, we're only going to do what the insurance covers. We're only going to do the basics to get the patients out of out of pain. We're never going to push the patient out of their comfort zone because they don't want to do the dental that we're doing, right? They, they're not excited about it. So I think my biggest thing was I chose the path always of, you know, let's understand insurance. Let's understand, that, you know, how the dental office operates, but let's always put the patient first. Let's always put the business first. Um, and so many people who've been in the industry as long as I have, like we have somebody in our study club for our office manager study club man, this lady has been in dental forever and she knows everything about every code and every, but she sits there and you bring up a new idea and she goes, that won't work. 
that won't work in my office. That won't work. Right. And she's so dental knowledgeable, but she's in her box where she's like, that just won't work. And it's like, ah, you're never going to get out of that if you just stay too focused there. So luckily I never got over there. You know, I never got into that and, and not saying that insurance, if you know, insurance inside and out, that's a bad thing. It's just make sure you're not the person who's sitting there with your arms crossed going, that'll never work in our practice because that's going to always limit you, you know? So I'm curious about your perspective because you have so much experience. What innovations do you feel like are ripe when it comes to, you know, again, putting the patient first or customer service or front office uh, related areas? Like what are you seeing could possibly happen in the next five, 10 years in that area? Um, so there are some things I've had to change over the years. Um, one of them, let's see, there was, there was a couple. One of them was um, outsourcing. I'm a very much a control person. And I thought nothing is going to happen outside of my four walls. I'm going to control the phones, the schedule, the insurance, everything. Totally changed my perspective on that for many different reasons. Uh, one is what we were just talking about. There's people out there who do it better than we do, right? So like there are companies out there who can help us with these things. Let them do it so we can focus on just the things that are we can do within the practice. Um, with hiring, it's when we have times like right now where it's hard to find good employees if you can outsource, right? Um, the other thing is metrics. Um, I believe in metrics now that I don't know that I did back in the beginning. I thought I could pull everything out of the software we use. I can take this report, add this report to it, divide it by this, multiply it, and I get my case acceptance. When why do we spend the time doing that now when we can use companies who can help us get the percentages and the reports and the things that we need out of our software? Um, customer service, anything that we can do, like you guys, this is why I love working with you guys, just anything we can do to set ourselves apart for our patients. They don't like coming to the dental office, but if I can give them a toothbrush or I can make them more comfortable or I can play good music or I can give them paraffin, whatever you do in your practice to make it the best as possible, um, I think is, is huge. And so we're not just a dental office anymore. We are, you know, we're asking people to spend money in our practice and, and they're only can judge us on the experience really. And so the experience matters. Um, and then last I would say is membership. When I started, like I didn't membership, I didn't understand what a dental membership was. I was like, what is that? Right. Um, and now I believe every practice should have a membership program in the practice. Like that's the only way we're really going to be able to serve our customers that don't have insurance or need, you know, lose insurance. Uh, and I think it's super smart for the, for the practice. So, um, those are ones where I think if you're not, I think you need to have options for financing more than one, uh, you, dental warranty to warranty your work because we know dentistry breaks, things happen, life happens. Um, you know, really looking at the companies out there that are here to support us in the dental industry and not putting up your, your, you know, your wall saying we've got it all, we can do it ourselves, but like really talking to these companies when you go to these conferences and say, what can you do to support us? Because I mean, I'm a big fan of ADOM, the American Association of Dental Office Management and Management, and you've been there. I mean, they sell out the vendors before they sell out the attendees because they understand how these vendors support the practices, you know, how they're going to be there for us. So really looking at what's out there for us to help us in our practices, which we didn't have 20 years ago, um, is huge. So, and, and every day, every time I go to any conferences, I walk around and say, okay, tell me what's new. Tell me, what do you have? What's new? Because there's always you, you guys, meaning all of us that are doing this are innovating all the time. 
you know? And so what's the latest thing that you can bring to help my practice? Yeah. And, and the closer practices and vendors get in terms of partnering to make dentistry better, like the better chance it's going to have, it, you know, I don't come up with business ideas in a vacuum either. It's as I'm talking to dental professionals, as I'm sensing pain, as I'm seeing where there can be value, that's when all of a sudden my gears start turning and I'm like, oh, okay, how can I, how can I provide that solution? Right. And that's what I love about your story. You're like, well, there was a problem. There's some massive problems. And I found out where I could bring value. And then other people saw that as value too. Right. And they just wanted you to share, you know, they, they, it's like, they were like giving you a yeah. pedestal of like, Laura, like, please like share what you've learned. Um, yeah, I think that, I don't know. I think that's and I awesome. Would, I would say for anyone listening, and I don't know about your, I don't know specifically about you, about us, but I overall, just as an office manager in the past, the one big piece of advice I can give to every office that's trying to work with any companies out there, no matter what it is, membership, toothbrush, you know, paperless, whatever, outsourcing insurance, the implementation that first week, two weeks, two months together of like, how do we do this? How do, how do we work in my practice? Like, how do I implement this new technology in my practice or your services in my practice? Or because so many times, and it happens all the time, it's been doing forever, it's been this way in marketing. We hire a new marketing company in the dental office. We want more new patients. The We don't get more new patients. We blame it on the marketing company. We fire them, we go on to another marketing company. And it's like, well, wait a minute. It's not the marketing company. The phone's making, you know, maybe it is, but more than likely it's not. The phone's ringing. Now let's figure out, is it, are the right customers calling? Are we answering the questions right? Are we even answering our phones? I mean, one of the reasons for an office rocks even exists is because we don't know how to answer the phones and handle these questions well. So marketing's job is to make the phone ring. So if you can recognize as a dental office and or, you know, if you've got a product you're bringing to the dental office or a service, it's that implementation, it's that integration of those first week, two weeks, months, depending on what you have, of working together, just like a new employee, we are now working together for the first time, the better we can communicate on like, how do we do this? And how do we want to make this work? And how do we train my team? How do they know how to use it? Because if the team doesn't use it, it's never going to happen. Right. And so that is probably the biggest thing I could say is if you're, if you want it to be successful, which ultimately if we're spending money working together, we, everybody wants it to be successful, invest in that beginning steps to make sure it, it works for both, you know, the, whatever companies you're working with in your dental office. Okay. I'm sorry. I, 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 I'm glad this is recorded because I was wanting to take notes because that honestly is, as you're saying it, I'm like, man, uh, the times that it hasn't worked with a practice, it's because in that onboarding phase, somehow yep. there's a disconnect and either we're not talking to the right person or we're not doing a good job getting full buy-in um, or really painting the picture and holding their hand and kind of supporting them in that we actually haven't implemented. Now we're doing it and it's getting the results we want. Somewhere yeah. along the lines, either we drop the support or something happens and we can't create a win for that practice. And the practices that crush it we end up being able to support them. Yep. Um, and I'm learning so yeah, that I, I mean, still at Front Office Rocks. Like I've been doing this 10 years and I just last week recorded a seven day quick start where it's a video to the doctor that for the first seven days of like, here are the things you need to do for Front Office Rocks to be successful. Because 
if you don't do these things, there's a really high chance that your team's going to say they don't want to do the training. So realizing that, and I've been doing this and I know it, right. But like, yet we haven't done it. So now I'm like, okay, let's do these things to help dental offices. Cause we're all here to help offices. And as an office manager, I know, you know, we spend good money with companies and then if it doesn't work, we're frustrated. Well, it's probably because we didn't have those expectations set correctly. We didn't, we didn't really establish what that looked like. Yeah. And a good industry to look at for that would be like, um, you know, just software as a service, especially when it comes to like apps, how many times do you download an app, you're excited, somehow it's either not intuitive enough, or you kind of just forget about it, you know, and it just gets lost in the sea of apps you have on your phone. And that company now is like trying to like send you a push notification or reach you somehow like, Hey, keep using our thing. Our thing is awesome, isn't it? And you're kind of like, eh, yeah. you know, so it's like if, if adoption doesn't get driven, then ultimately change can't happen. And, and I remember hearing that story from consultants of how many times does a dentist go to a trade show, get excited about some transformation or some idea, comes back, shares it with the staff, and the staff kind of just like smiles and nods and knows if they just wait. Yeah. Three, four weeks later, everything's going to go back to the way it was and we don't need to actually do any change, you know? And it's that really sad, like, well, unfortunately there's a history of bad change management, <laughs> but you have that, the poor dentist, you know, um, she's trying to really drive change in her practice, but again, she didn't get an MBA. She didn't get a master's in organizational development. Like right. she's focusing on great clinical dentistry. So that's why I think dentistry is such an interesting industry right now. Um, and that's why I love what you're doing. So Laura, if you could wave a wand, um, when you go to work with a client, and if you could just wave one and say, hey, look, this is the mindsets I would love for them to have when I come to work with them. Um, what would that be? Well, um, I think for me specifically, it's investing in your team, understanding the importance of your team. It's the highest part of, you know, overhead and it's the biggest um, barrier or, or, or successful thing in helping your practice grow. Your team matters, invest in them, right? Regular training, um, regular, you know, communication, team meetings. I know all these things that doctors are like not necessarily great at, but it really matters. Your team wants to support you, but you've got to invest in them. On the flip side for the team, it's realizing that you don't know it all already. Uh, if you think you know it all already, then you're not going to be able to learn anything. And, um, I would rather, I heard Dave Ramsey say this at a, at a entre leadership conference I went to a couple of years ago, you know, if I had to choose between somebody who's skilled and somebody who is willing to learn, I'll take somebody willing to learn all day long over somebody who's skilled. Cause I can teach them. So you've got to have the attitude of like, things have changed. I mean, our industry has changed so much in the last five years, let alone 20 years, you know? So we've always got to be willing to learn and grow and invest in learning more and training our team. Um, that's like the perfect client, you know, somebody who understands who's listening, whoever's listening to this podcast probably has that mentality. Now it's a matter of making sure that your culture and your team get that in the practice. You know, it can't just be one person. It takes the whole team. It definitely takes the whole team. So throughout this whole interview, like I'm marveling at just at how much humility you have, even with the whole struggling with, am I an entrepreneur? <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, and just with the success that you've had and the impact you've already been able to make and to still carry yourself with such humility and still have such a desire to learn more, 
um, in, in that vein of learning more, what, what was a book that really either inspired you or that you think um, would be great for our listeners to check out? For me, I guess the most recent one that sticks with me and I use all the time when I'm trying to decide if I'm going to get up in the morning and keep fighting the fight is Atomic Habits. Um, I think Atomic Habits, most of the time, I mean, organizational development is change management. I help people change. We all, things should not be staying the same. Everything should be getting better. Your relationships, your practice, your everything should be improving. And if it's not, there's a good chance it's probably something, if you look in the mirror, there's something looking back at you that needs to change, right? Um, but it's not easy to change. And many times it's just changing the way we think about things, habits, what we're doing. For example, you know, when I read it, that very first week I read it, I took all my little notifications off my phone. I was like, I'm super good at multitasking, but I get distracted when my phone has those little pop-ups on them and it's not urgent. And so just doing little things, you know, showing up to the gym is better than not going at all. You know, um, having a meeting with an employee that might not go perfectly, but at least we're starting communication. It's a step in the right direction. So um, I think habits are a thing that's good. That where do you want to be a year from now? And then what habits can you start to put in place now? Even if it's just like listening to this podcast regularly to get motivated, to make the move of what you want to do next, whatever it is, Atomic Habits was a, is a really good book for that. Okay. So I just have to ask you one awkward question just to yeah. throw you off a little bit. Okay. <laughs> you said it's a, it's a little odd with the whole like, um, expectations of like, you know, Laura has already done something. What's next for her? Um, not that there has to be a next, but like, what is a dream that's maybe five <laughs> years, 10 years down the road that maybe has nothing to do with dentistry? Um, that's good question. I, I don't want to leave dentistry. Um, I love the people I love that I'm meeting new employees coming in every day who know nothing about dentistry and I get to meet them and they say I taught them what everything they've known or at least the beginning of what they needed to know. Um, I want to travel uh, a lot more and I do hope I have two children and three stepchildren and so I'm hoping at some point I get grandkids. Not now. I'm not ready. Um, but that's kind of my hope is that I can set up my life so that I can still continue to speak and be in front of people and help the dental industry where I can continue to grow and sustain this lifestyle where I can travel a lot and, and, you know, see kids, see family, see kids, that kind of a thing. I don't think I'm going to go change the world in another industry. I don't know. Um, I am, you know, I've got a side business where I do crafting um, so that's kind of a side business and I do, I have changed a few things in my lifestyle that I talk about on TikTok, and I don't know, I'm just an open book, so I don't know where it'll go. But, um, the biggest thing for me is traveling. You know, I really, I really love getting out there and just seeing the world. So. Okay. So Laura, tell me what front office rocks is doing either now or is in the process of doing that you want to bring attention to. Okay. So I don't know when this is going to come out. So this could, I mean, like, this is the latest. June 7th. Oh, June 7th. oh, okay. So right around the corner, if it, it, in my mind, it should have happened three years ago, 
So just everybody knows. So right around the corner between now and the end of June is my crossing my fingers that everybody's telling me the right thing on my team. Um, we, a couple things, we have uh, added to Front Office Rocks now, it's not just training videos, it's not just videos uh, for your team to watch, but we've added a community and a conversation part of it. So we are bringing social to training, meaning all of the practices within Front Office Rocks now can get together with other like-minded people in your position. So dentists get connected, office managers, assistants, and in community. So we can, we can have conversations around hiring or implementing a new piece of technology or so that way I can help practices a little bit more than I've been able to because I haven't been able to converse with them. I'm not in the office with them. And so our team is really coming together with that. And then the biggest mic drop, nobody knows except for you and my team right now is we have an app that's coming out. It's in beta right now. And that means front office rocks will be on your phone. Front Office Rocks will be wow. with you. You can watch it at home or at a soccer game when you're watching your kids. You can connect with me on the app. You can show it to other people at, at dinners or whatever. So for me, that's huge because like I said, five, seven years ago, I don't even, did we have apps back then? I mean, we did, right? I don't even remember. When did that all come out? But um, it's technology. I never even expected we could have it Front Office Rocks. So that is the... You guys are the first to hear this. I have not talked about this anywhere else. So fingers crossed, hopefully by mid-June. Well, that, that is super exciting. So right now, if someone wants to find out more or if they want to get in touch with you, what is the best way for them to do that? Just come to Front Office Rocks. Um, you can email info at Front Office Rocks or just come to the website. The new front end of the website is launching in the next couple of weeks. Like it's just... If you've ever been a customer of Front Office Rocks, if you've handled, gone through the training with the three-legged stool, the three-legged stool is getting kicked out and a new stool is getting put in its place. So if you've never been at Front Office Rocks, just come check it out. Um, I'm speaking a ton over the next few, hopefully years. So, you know, follow my social calendar if you want to, you know, connect with me in person or just join Front Office Rocks and get involved in the community and conversations there. Okay, so I have one question for close but before that in the spirit of honor is there anyone in the dental community that you would like to honor just as an innovator that you either looked up to or learned from um i'm gonna say two i have one from the first 10 years of my life and one from the second um of my life my my dental life uh linda miles for anybody who's my age or older i don't even know do you know who linda miles is most of the time i i she founded SCN, correct? Yes. Okay. So Linda Miles is the original dental consultant. I'm sure there were other ones, but she's the one that we all look up to. And so she, um, you know, broke the broke us into what we're all doing now in different ways. And so Linda Miles, um, she's she's like dear to true to my heart. I remember when I was young. I'm going to be her when I get older. And um, I am sort of a little bit percentage of it in a different way, but Linda Miles. And then now I would say, especially because of the topic that topics that you talk about on here, it would be Elijah Desmond um, when it comes to smiles at sea, dentistry's got talent, dental tank. I don't think he calls it that. I think it's dental pitch now. Just um, giving a platform, if you don't follow already, giving a platform to people uh, that have ideas, that want to speak on topics, that... Um, it's very hard to think about getting on the stage at Chicago Midwinter or Hinman or or state meetings, you know, and and Elijah has given a platform to people who have something to share. 
you know, who best practice an idea, a thought, a technology, a, a, a innovation, and there's a platform there um, that's one step up that, that everybody can get to. So that's probably the person that I would say who's made the biggest difference. We're good friends and he helped me in my career, but I've seen him help so many people. I mean, you know him. Um, we're, we're good friends with him. And so if anybody's on the edge and you just want one little platform to get in the right direction, I'd say get connected somehow with Smiles at Sea, Dentistry's Got Talent, you know, any, any one of his many groups over there. Oh, that's amazing. Cause you have the OG and Linda that I've just recently heard about. I still haven't had the pleasure of meeting her. Um, cause I know she's probably not as active. She's semi-retired. But... She still pops up here and yeah. there, I think for friends in the dental community, but yeah, she no longer speaks or, or travels the way she was. Okay. So Laura, here it is. Um, you are walking down the street and off in the distance, you see the 21 year old version of yourself and you know, you only have one sentiment that you can communicate to 21 year old Laura. What do you share with her? Oh, that's a hard one. Um, trust your gut. Just trust your, trust your, you know, what's right or wrong. Just trust your gut. Do the, do the right thing based off your own, um, I think there's times, every one of us, where we're second guessing, questioning, wondering, and you know what it, your gut says inside. So just trust it, you know? Well, that is incredibly appropriate for <laughs> the listeners because it, it's anyone that might want to do something, might want to pursue a dream, but it's a little nervous or wasn't, isn't sure. And here it is. Laura is telling them, trust their gut. Uh, Laura, thank you so much. It's been easy to honor you as an innovator, uh, as, as an entrepreneur, as someone that is making such a difference in dentistry. I love what you're doing with Front Office Rocks. Any way I can ever partner or just help uh, get your message out there. Thank you so much for sharing about what you guys are launching and dropping uh, in the upcoming future. Super excited about that. But once again, just thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Let's go. Let's, let's change this industry. <laughs> Yes. Thank you, Lord.